morning, Faith Church. Man, it's good to see everybody here today. Come on, let's welcome those who are watching online. We're glad that you decided to join us as well. Thanks for being here. Well, hey, listen, man, this is uh, one of my favorite times of the year. I love the fall. I enjoy the heat, no doubt about it, but I enjoy a little bit of snow being from the north. But this right here is my favorite time of the year. When it gets just a little bit chilly, you can put on the sweatshirts, cover your rolls, and still look good. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, baby. So uh, listen, and today, today is my favorite time of the week. I enjoy, above like, uh, like nothing else, man, to get together to hang out with my church family and uh, spend time worshiping together and hearing from God. And so I want to pray for you, man, because I'm just telling you, if you're not fired up about your relationship with God, you should be. I want you to know God has something important and powerful for every life in this room. God loves you. He wants to pour his presence out in your life. He wants you to know no matter what you're going through, man, that you're not in that thing alone. He wants to empower your life with grace and with hope and with meaning and importance. And that only comes from your creator. And so, man, every time, not just in church, but every day, you just need to open up your heart and say, God, man, I just invite you in. I invite you in this situation. I invite you into this circumstance. And I'm telling you, when you start inviting the presence of God more and more in your life, I'm telling you what, he'll start showing up more and more in your life. Amen. So Father, we love you today. God, I'm so grateful, Lord, for the opportunity to stand here before your people. I pray that God, you'll open their hearts, God, to hear what it is that you want to say. I pray in Jesus name, Father, let everything that's heavy on every person's heart. I pray, Father, let those things be broken in the hope of your presence. I pray, God, let your strength come, God, and renew people today. That, Father, we're going to walk out in life, in joy, in hope because of who you are. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed, said amen. Amen. All right, well, listen, man, we are in the last week of this series entitled How to Raise Your Kids. And kind of through this whole series, we've really been issuing the challenge that in order to have healthy kids, in order to really raise our kids right, it's going to take people who are, who are thoughtful, people who are intentional. While raising kids is absolutely a challenge, it's one of the most effective, fruitful, enjoyable things you'll ever do. To have, man, the privilege to be blessed with children and to get to invest and to pour into their life is awesome. But again, it's something that will make you pull your hair. It's something that's incredibly challenging. But again, through this series, my hope is that God is putting some tools in your hand, that God is helping you as parents and grandparents to think very strategically about the investment that you're making in your kids. Again, it's not on accident. The Bible says this. This is the verse we've been going over every week. Proverbs 22, 6. We've been giving you this verse. And the challenge is that you take this verse and you make it a prayer. Because again, if we're going to do what God wants us to do, we have to do it with his help. And so every day I've been praying this for my kids. Lord, help me to train up my children in the way that they should go. I want you one more time today, Faith Church, to pray this out loud with me for your kids and for your grandkids. Lord, help me to train up my child in the way that they should go. Just believing, man, that God is going to answer that prayer, that God's going to give you the grace and the help that you need. Here's really our goal. If you'll remember, man, our goal is to make sure that as we raise up our kids, that we're preparing them, that we're getting them ready for adulthood. See, the time's coming, man, that your kid is going to leave your residence. You might have to push them out, kind of like the birds do, right? When it's, when, you know, they may not look like they're ready, but that mama bird just pushes them to the edge and push them out. Some of you guys are going to have to push your kids out. But when that time comes, your goal is to make sure that they're prepared for adulthood. So the investments that you're making now, the teaching moments that you're taking advantage of now, the goal is when that time comes that they're ready and they're successful in adulthood. And so if you were not here for any of this series, I'd encourage you to go back and listen. Maybe if you were here for most, maybe to go back and listen to any of the weeks that you missed. Last week, I talked about, uh, about discipline, and this is basically what we said. 
is that people need to have responsibility and take responsibility. One of the most important things that we can teach our children, the investment we can make, is for them to have some responsibility, to have responsibility in the home, to have responsibility and take responsibility for for their life. Not just the good things, but when they make bad choices, we got to make sure we're not shielding them and protecting them because all we're doing is setting them up for future failure when we overprotect them now. And uh, in, the, in the process last week, the things that I had taught about discipline, if you'll remember if you were here, I talked about giving some clear expectations and giving some clear consequences. I love it because it panned out in my own home. You know, I have, uh, most of you guys know, I have three kids, two older daughters and a son. And uh, my oldest daughter, Kayla, she has um, a, ni- a nicer hair straightener. And her sister, younger sister, Lauren, wanted to use it or had been using it. And she kept leaving it on in the morning, and she would leave it on all day. So my older daughter would come home and find out her hair straightener's on, and she's losing her mind. She's like, Dad, she's going to ruin it because she's leaving it on all day. You need to tell her to turn it off. And I said, listen, I'm not getting involved. You deal with it. So I love when my kids take my messages and apply it to their lives because she went with some clear expectations and some clear consequences. She told her younger sister, listen, you can use my hair straightener, but if you leave it on one more time, you're grounded from it for a week. This is a true story. That day, that next day, she used it again, left it on. So when she came home, I heard, I heard one daughter telling another daughter, you're grounded. Now, I'm just telling you, I'm so good at parenting. I got one kid parenting another kid. Listen, y'all just need to listen to what I got to say. I'm teasing, but that really happened. But so here, here, here we are. So again, in week four, we're going to end this thing up. And my hope today is that God will really help you specifically as not just parents, but individuals grow in very significant ways. Uh, let me ask you, you guys a question. Has there ever been, in a, time, been a time in your life that, um, that kind of you realized that you realized you were acting just like your parents? Have you ever caught yourself sounding just like mom and dad? Have you ever caught yourself acting just like mom or dad? Wave at me if that's happened to you. Now, I'm just going to tell you, in some ways, that's a good thing because I think my parents were pretty good people. A lot of good things they taught me. I'm glad in some ways I act like them. But I'm going to be honest. There are some things that mom and dad has passed on to me that I'm not so proud of. And here's how you know. When you're shocked that you act like mom and dad, that's how you know something's wrong because probably you said this to yourself at one time or another. I'll never act like that. I'll never treat my kids that way. I'll never say that. And all of a sudden, one day, out of the blue, here it comes out of your mouth, and you sound just like mom. You're acting just like dad. I, I can give you just a, a prime example. When, uh, when I was a kid, something that kind of has etched in my memory because it happened so many times, but my dad would send me on these little missions out to the garage or out to the basement to get something. And I can remember often not being able to find the thing that he sent me to get. And he would give me like specific instructions of where it was, and I just couldn't find it. One instance, it sticks out so clearly. In fact, we still joke about this today. I'll never forget my dad. He told me to go out to the garage. There was a can. I don't remember if it was spray paint or something, but he wanted me to go out to the garage into this specific cabinet and get this can of spray paint. And I went out. I couldn't find it. I went back in. I'm like, Dad, it's not out there. And he said, now listen, Stephen. He said, he said, go to the white cabinet open the left door, it's on the second shelf down, and it's all the way on the left-hand side, it's the first can. And I went out there, probably as an eight-year-old, I'm looking, I can't find this anywhere. I go in, I'm like, Dad, it's not out there. I'll never forget, he walked out and took me out into the garage. He said, now, Stephen, watch this. And he stood in front of the cabinet, he closed his eyes, he, he's, and he's saying, I said, now, open the left door, it's on the second shelf, all the way over on the left, and he pulled it out, and it was there. I'm like, Dad, I swear that wasn't there a minute ago. 
But when that would happen, my dad would get so agitated with me because he was so clear where something could be found and I just couldn't find it. And now I find myself, when I ask my kids to go do something, go find something, and I'm positive it's right where I'm telling them and they come in and they say, it's not there. I find myself sounding just like my dad, like, now come out here. Look, it's, on the, <laughs> it's in the left shelf, on, you know, and I don't like that. So let me just ask you a question. As I look at my life and probably as you look at yours, you find yourself acting just like your parents, sounding just like your parents. Why don't you ask yourself this question? What is it, what area of your life do you not want reproduced in your children? Think about that for a minute. What area of your life do you not want reproduced in the life of your children? As you look at your actions and your attitudes and how you carry yourself, how you handle stress, how you walk through circumstances, as you look at your life as a whole person, what is it in you, what is it in your life that you do not want reproduced in your children? Because make no mistake about it, we are reproducing ourselves in the life of our children. It is happening. It's something that is absolutely almost unavoidable. In fact, I want you to listen to what the Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy. Because here's, here's what I want you to know is we have to be very careful, very intentional about what we hand down to this next generation. We have to be very careful about what we pass on to our kids. And so listen to what the Bible says. Listen, read it with me. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commandments that I'm giving you today. Now, this is Moses speaking to the nation of Israel, but all of this is still true for us today, that God wants us as individual Christ followers to take very serious his word, his command, and our call to love God. He says, watch this, and then, read it with me, repeat them again and again to your children. I like that because I find myself doing that anyways. I, I was obeying scripture and I didn't even know it. Repeat them again and again, watch this. Talk about them when you are at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. Here's what God's saying is, God's saying, listen, we're being healthy. We're making change happens. If we're going to have healthy kids, it's got to start with healthy parents. In fact, I know this is true. Healthy parents can only produce healthy kids. Show me, show me some kids that are dysfunctional. Show me kids that are unhealthy, and I will show you parents that probably are dysfunctional and unhealthy. Unhealthy parents cannot produce healthy kids. And so God's saying, listen, before you ever take the responsibility to pass on to this next generation, he says it's got to start with you. Everybody say me, which means you have to, as an individual, you got to say, I'm going to take responsibility for my life and my actions. I'm going to be very careful what's in my life because what's in my life, I want to make sure the good is passed on to my kids. I want to make sure what's right in my life is passed on to this next generation. I would say it this way, that you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. You teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. Which means if you go back to what Moses told the nation of Israel, he said, hey, listen, I want you to love the Lord your God. I want you to make sure that you obey all of God's commands. And then once it's in your life, once it's in your heart, once that faith is integrated in what you do, he says, then you can start passing that on to your kids. Because it doesn't matter how much you talk. It doesn't matter how much you shout. It doesn't matter what you're talking about. Hear me, the moments of teaching is going to come far more from your lifestyle than from your words. 
I, in fact, I, I know this is I know this is true that 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 we we our children are going to reflect not our intentions. Our children are going to reflect our actions. That's why when you were growing up, you said, "Hey, I'll never act that way." You grew up, you said, I'll never treat somebody that way. I'll never do this. And do you know why you find yourself doing the things that you said you would never do? Do you know why you find yourself acting just like mom and dad? It's because they replicated who they were and who you are. Because we teach what we know, we reproduce who we are. I remember growing up and uh, my mom, as, as a young kid, maybe seven, eight years old, I remember my mom started smoking. This lady down the road, they became friends and she smoked and somehow my mom started smoking. And I remember growing up and my parents telling me, specifically, mom, hey, don't ever smoke. Listen, smoking's bad for you. Listen, you shouldn't smoke. And I heard everything she said. But you know what else I did? I watched how she lived. And I smoked. Uh, my middle brother, he still smokes and smoked his whole life. My oldest brother, he smoked for a little while. Do you know why? Because my mom could say whatever she wants, but we're watching. And I want you to know, listen, your children are watching you. And they are replicating and duplicating what they see in our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but that just kind of makes me a little bit nervous. Listen, I mean, here we are. I I know there's some Auburn fans, but here we are in the heart of Alabama football. And man, there's all the, you know why everybody's crazy for Alabama or Auburn or Tennessee or Clemson or wherever you're at. And your kids grow up and, you know, they're begging for, for an Alabama football gear. Do you know why? It's not because they were the national champs, because that was Ohio State last year. They're begging for Alabama gear because mama and daddy wear Alabama gear. And they want, they want a big AU in the front yard when they grow up for Christmas because mom and dad put a big AU. Come on, do you know why? Because we teach what we know, but we reproduce who we are. Your kids love what, what you love because you love it, and they see it in their life, and they replicate it. Hear me, you can't out-teach bad habits. So let me ask you the question. As you look at your attitude, as you look at your actions, as you look at your lifestyle, what is it in your life that you do not want reproduced in the life of your children? Because you wanting to not reproduce it will not keep it from happening. The only thing that will keep it from happening is for God, with his grace, to change that action in you so it will change in the heart, in the life of your child. So today for a few minutes, I want to talk about three areas Uh, Three areas of our life that I think are are pretty important. And they're going to be huge important in the life of your kids when they grow up. Today I want to talk about three things real quick. I want to talk about marriage, money, and morality. Marriage, money, and morality. Everybody just say that with me. Marriage, money, and morality. If you can encompass the happiness in your child as they grow up, it's going to be found clearly in those three areas. Marriage, money, and morality. Now, I know there are some kids who are just never going to get married. I know some kids are going to live celibate lives, and that's, that's great. But for the most part, most kids are growing up, and they're looking for that. They're looking for Mr. Right. They're looking for Romeo. Come on, he's looking for Juliet. We're looking for that special someone. And for the most part, most of your kids and most of your grandkids are going to grow up, and they're going to get married. And I just want you to know, and you guys know this is true, is how well their marriage is, how healthy their marriage is, is going to determine in large part how healthy and how happy they are. How many people know that's true? Listen, you got an unhappy marriage, you got an unhappy life. And not just marriage, but money. Listen, as a, I mean, we, we are about money. Our life in large part revolves around money. We work jobs, large parts of our life to make money. When we're not busy making money, we're busy spending money. 
if we don't have enough money, a lot of the tension that right now in this room, a lot of the tension that's represented in this room at its root is money. And so when it comes to the big three M's, when it comes down, come on, to money, to marriage, and to morality, when it comes to those things, your kids and their future happiness is going to be determined by how well you're living those three M's now. And so let's just talk about marriage for a minute. Can we talk about marriage? Marriage, when it comes to marriage, you know right now, 45%, almost one out of every two marriages fail in divorce. That's crazy when you think about it because that means there was a time, dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. They stood there and they looked at each other. Come on, you remember how it was? You looked longingly into your beautiful bride's eyes forever. Forever. Till death do us part. And then like two years later, she's getting all your nerves and you're like, that's it. What happened? How did it start out with till death do us part? And some of us in this room are on number two or number three. Hear me, no, no shame. Don't hear any condemnation, but let's just talk reality today. Almost half of all marriages fail in divorce. Let me give you another stat that I think is real important. Again, because we teach what we know, we reproduce who we are. Is if your child, if your child gets married and they come from a divorced home, the chance of them getting divorced goes from from 45% to 65%. If a guy and a girl get married and they both come from divorced homes, their mom and dad and her mom and dad both got divorced, the chance of them getting divorced goes almost 75%. Do you know why? Come on, church. Do you know why? Because they learn from us how important marriage really is. And I want to tell you today, you got to fight for your marriage. You got to fight for what's right. When you stand in front of that person and you give them a covenant promise before the God you serve, you got to come on, whatever you got to do, you got to fight hell and high water. You got to fight for your marriage. I wish I could just screen this for the next two hours because there's marriages in our church, marriages in our community, marriages in our culture that's failing. And hear me, listen, and, and you can give me your story and he can give me his story and she can give me her story. At the end of the day, at the heart of divorce is because we are selfish people. And if selfishness could be pulled out of individuals' hearts, more marriages would make it. Come on, y'all can clap to that even if you're divorced. You know that's true. And so here's why, here's why marriage matters. Here's why marriage should matter to you. Is because there's already been lots of studies done. We know this is true, and this is the foundation for God's words, that kids find the most safety and security in a home where there is a mother and there is a father. Kids find stability in a home where there's mom and dad. And so not only are we contributing to their safety, their security, and their happiness now by making our marriages work, but when we give up on our marriages and we walk away, what we're teaching our children is when they get older and they get married, and most of them will, that when it gets tough, do what mom and dad did and give up. Now hear me, I know know. This, this is what I do, is I hear people's stories and I counsel, so I I know there's a lot of hurt and a lot of pain in this room, no doubt. But I believe with all of my heart, if there's two people in a house and they both love Jesus, that God's grace is enough for you to overcome. 
And I just want to just tell you, listen, stop allowing the enemy to tell you, just give up, just walk away. Let's stop following the example of culture and start following the example of God's word. And let's fight for our marriages, not only for the sake of our marriage, but for the sake of the marriage of our children. I'm glad y'all are excited about that. So listen to what the Bible says in, chapter, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Every voice here, come on, read this with me. Marriage should be honored by who? All. Marriage should be honored by all. Say that. Marriage should be honored by all. The word honored means to be treated as precious. It's valuable. It's uncommon. Which means that God wants us to treat our marriage not as just everyday riffraff trash to be thrown out when it's not convenient anymore. God wants you to treat it as precious, as valuable. Think about it. If you had something in your home and it was, it was valuable, even if it was broken, you wouldn't throw it away. If it had true value and significance, even if it was tarnished, you wouldn't throw it away. So God says, I want you to treat marriage and not just married people. I want you to notice what it says. All people, whether you're married or unmarried, if you're divorced, first married, second married, third married, he said, I want you to get a new viewpoint on how significant and important marriage is. Because again, you're, you're creating a, a home of stability and you're creating a future of stability when you fight for your marriage. Now, even though a husband and wife, a mom and dad are optimal in a home, I know, I know optimal isn't always what happens. And so I just want to say this to you. If you're here and you're already divorced, I don't want you to feel any condemnation today. You are where you are. We're all in a certain place in life. I believe that God will absolutely meet you wherever you are. In fact, I would say this. If you're not in an optimal situation, I believe that God's grace shines the brightest in situations that are not the most optimal. The Bible says it this way, that God's grace is, is, God's grace is strongest when we're weakest. And so if you're here and you're already divorced, I don't know. Listen, it's a challenge for my wife and I to raise our three kids. If you're trying to raise kids and you're a single parent, listen, props to you, mad props to you, because I imagine it is absolutely hard, but I believe that God will give you the grace that you need. But I would say this, that if you can't make marriage work or you didn't make marriage work, then find a way for the sake of your kid to make divorce work. Are y'all hearing me? Which means, listen, mom, you got to stop bashing that kid's daddy. Dad, you got to stop tearing apart that mom to that kid because what you're teaching them is when conflict comes, the solution to conflict is hatred and bitterness. And you can tell them, listen, I hope when you grow up, you don't get a divorce. I hope when you grow up, you don't treat your ex like this. But you know what? You teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. Are y'all hearing me today? How many people here, come on, can I just add, how many people here want a great marriage? How many people want a great marriage? I don't want to wave at me. Because I'm just praying and believing in the name of Jesus that God's going to give you the strength you need and the hope you need. God's going to give you a selfless heart for your spouse to pour into them and to give to them and to love them. And contrary to the odds of our culture, you're going to be an overcoming couple and you're going to make it to the end the same way you promised and not just in your home, but you're going to replicate that and duplicate that success in the life of your children. I believe that in the name of Jesus. I believe that. Let's just talk about not just marriage, but money. Everybody say money. Money, 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 money. Say it. Money. That just feels good, don't it? Our life, it revolves around money. Here's a question, man, that's just kind of crazy. And most of you who are kind of sports people, you've seen this before. How is it that every single year, hundreds of young people enter professional sports? 
And they get contracts of hundreds of thousands of dollars. And they serve six, eight, 10, 12, 14 year careers. And they walk out of a professional life having made hundreds of millions of dollars and they're broke. How does that happen? Mike Tyson. I used to love watching Mike Tyson fight because when he would come in the ring, like the blood of his opponent would just drain from his face. I mean, this guy was an animal watching Mike Tyson fight. Do you know he made over $400 million in his boxing career? And today he is broke. Do you know why? Because no one ever taught Mike Tyson how to manage money. Learning how to manage money is not learned by intuition. You don't just magically learn how to manage money. So parents, I want to tell you something. This is true for me because I'm a parent. For my wife, she's a parent. If you do not teach your children how to manage money, the world will. And the world doesn't manage money well. Like I remember when I was in college, when I got to college, everybody wanted to give me credit cards. I thought it was awesome. So I got as many as I could get and used them. And I dressed awesome. But as a young college student, listen, we, my wife and I, we got married. This is a true story. There was a point in our marriage that we had over $20,000 in credit card debt. Do you know why? Because I grew up in a home where mom and dad used all kinds of credit cards. We sing this song to our little kids, right? We tell them, listen, we try to teach them. But hear me, they're watching you. When you drop a credit card down for everything you buy, when you're arguing in your home, mom and dad, when you're arguing about money, ears are listening, eyes are watching, and they're learning from us. And I think the best thing that we can do is we can teach our kids just a couple things real quick. I think we need to teach our kids about debt. We need to teach our kids about spending. We need to teach our kids about saving. We need to teach our kids about giving. If they don't learn it from you, where are they going to learn it from? We have been careful, we have been consistent in the life of our kids to teach them a couple things. And maybe we've not done this well. I'm sure we could have done a lot better. But if you ask any of my three kids, listen, they know, listen, credit card, run. Run. My wife and I, we have zero credit card debt, have had zero credit card debt for years. When When we got out of credit card debt, we got out. Do you know why? Because the Bible says that the servant is slave. I'm sorry, the, the, the borrower is slave to the lender. And we try to teach our kids, when you get under the weight of credit card debt, it'll rock your world. It creates unnecessary tension in your home when you're always trying to figure out how to rob Peter to pay Paul, how to, how to pay off one credit card with another credit card. It is a cycle of this world that will rob your children of future happiness if you don't teach them now. And so, man, I, at some point, they just have to not just hear from you but watch you. The credit card debt, man, just should be something that's avoided. They should have a savings account. Put something aside. Pay yourself first. I know you're busy paying bills. Pay yourself first. And be a giver. Everybody shout, be a giver. Now, I believe this. I don't know if if you believe this, and if you don't, that's okay. I believe this. I believe what God's word says. Jesus said, Luke chapter 6, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. The same measure you measure ought to be measured back to you. I believe what the apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians when he said this. He said, He who sows much reaps much. He who sows sparingly reaps sparingly. I believe that. I believe Malachi chapter 3 when God said, Test me now, says the Lord, and see if I not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it, that your vine will not fail to bear fruit in the field. I believe what God says. So we've taught our kids, while you need to have a measure of success in your life, true success is something that comes from the favor of God 
that you initiate by giving to God. And so listen, we've taught our kids from the time they're little children, be a giver, be a tither, be a giver, be a tither. In fact, we've taught our kids, hear me, you can do whatever you want with your money after you've done two things. Make sure you tithe and we encourage them to give. Make sure you tithe and set something aside. You can buy whatever you want with the rest of the money. I mean, not bullets, guns, knives. Well, there's a couple things they can't buy, but you guys understand what I'm saying. But we're trying to teach our kids the basics of managing money. Because if I could talk to many of you in this room, and if I could hear your story, a lot of the tension that's present in the lives in this room comes from broken marriages and mismanaged money. And your kids and my kids will replicate what they find in our home. And so the only way they can really have the success that God wants them to have is for them to learn from us. See, I would say it this way, that we live in this world where everybody wants us to be responsible for our kids. And I want you to know, you are not responsible for your kids. You're responsible to your kids. You're not responsible for their happiness. You can't make a kid happy. You're not responsible for their success, but you are responsible to them to live a consistent life that they can learn by watching you how their life ought to be. So let me just ask you a question real quick. What is it in your life? What is it in your life that you don't want reproduced in the life of your children? What is it in your home? What's going on right now underneath your roof? What attitude, what, what behavior is in your life that, man, if you're not careful, your kids are going to act just like you. I know the hardest thing that I hear, and we joke about it, but it's, it's really not funny, is, you know, my kids are acting up. Normally when they're acting really well, they're acting like Shauna, and when they're not acting so well, they're acting like me. And my wife, out of, frustra- out of frustration, would look and say, is Jack, they're acting just like you. I hope you're happy. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not. I was till you said that, but I'm not now. <laughs> Because my kids, man, are taking on my personality and her personality and our behaviors and our actions. And we, listen, we can teach all we want, but we're reproducing who we are. So let me give you the last one, morality. Everybody say morality. Listen, I want you to know this. The Bible says that we are to guard our heart, that we're to build walls around, that we are to be careful to guard our heart above everything else. And I want you to know, not just our heart, but as a parent, as a grandparent, you have a responsibility and I have a responsibility not just to guard our heart, but to help our children guard their hearts. We got to help them. Listen, we got to help them guard their hearts. Listen, we do it as, as parents when they're young. Some of you guys, man, you went crazy and you got like these cabinet lock things and there's gates everywhere so kids can't go upstairs and downstairs and we put wall plugs everywhere and we're so careful that our kids don't get into any poison and they don't touch any electricity, nothing that can hurt them. But let me ask you a question. How are you doing with the the broken morality of this world not easing its way into your home, into the heart of your child? Because it's your job to help raise your kid to know right from wrong, white from black. It's our job to do that. And in this broken, corrupt cesspool of a world, every opportunity the enemy is looking for to get into the heart of your child. And because your child is underneath your authority, it's your job to help set that hedge of protection and to guard them. Let me just ask you a question. What's your kid watching on TV? 
because there's like a lot of smut. Come on, can, can anybody just, we're in church, y'all can just amen. Just a little bit of smut on TV. And there's just a little bit of garbage in the movie theater. And I'm a gamer. My son's a gamer. Almost every game that comes out now is rated MA, mature. And I'm just telling you, listen to me, you have to be the one that sets the pace. You've got to be the one that guards your heart and helps guard their heart that they just can't watch whatever they want. Let me just ask you a question. What filter is on the smart device that you've given your kid? Because if you don't have a filter, I want you to know they have access to all the smut of the world at their fingertips. Nine out of 10 kids ages 13 and above. Let me say this again. Nine out of 10 kids ages 13 and above have accessed pornography on their smart device. Not my kid, well, then yours is the one out of 10. But nine out of 10. And so like, we gotta be active, Santa. I'm gonna be careful what my kids watch. I'm gonna be careful where they go. I'm gonna be careful. Everybody shout, be careful. Because what they see, it impacts them. What they hear, it affects them. And it's tough, man. And it would just be so easy at times just to check out. But only healthy parents can produce healthy kids. Which means you can't live for the devil and tell your parents to tell your kids to love God. You can't watch what you want and then tell your kids you can't watch this. Now, I know that's what happens. But does anybody see there's a conflict when a kid is saying, well, why can you watch it, but I can't watch it? At what point did God create you to handle a certain level of garbage? It's quite quiet up in this house. Come on, somebody. You say, you don't do it? Uh-uh, nope. You don't watch radar movies? Nope. Movies we watch, our kids can go watch. And is there anything in it? Probably, there's probably some stuff we watch you wouldn't agree with. But you're not responsible for me and my kids. But I think the challenge is, as hard as it is, for us to put forth this effort to be intentional, what we hand down from our life to their life. And I think the best thing that we can give our kids is not just morality, but a relationship with Jesus Christ. Your greatest thing, hear me, everybody listens, we already wind this whole series up. If you raise kids who are successful, who graduate top of their class, who graduate magna cum laude, who graduate with all kinds of medals, who go on and are successful in, in college in some kind of athletic career. If you, if you raise kids that are successful, that make money, that are popular, that have it all together, but they do not have Jesus, you have failed as a parent who loves God yourself. Because the most important thing, listen to me, if they're a C student, hear me, don't clap yet. If they're a C student, if they never make the team, if they make minimum wage their entire life, but they have Jesus, that's all that matters in this world. Because everything else is passing away. Everything else is fading away. And we feel this pull on us. Come on, listen, we feel this pull on us that we got to give our kids moments. Your job is not to give your kids moments. It's to give them an eternity. Moments fade away and eternity lasts forever. And the only way they can have an eternity is if you have an eternity to give them. Hear me, listen, this is your job right here. Your job right here is to get a relationship with God that's white hot. Jesus, come and change. I want to play church. I don't want to play. I want to play Jesus. God, come and, and change my life and change my heart. God, I want a real radical, life-changing relationship with you. And when you have that, you can pass it on to your kids. Because the only way you can pass this on, hear me, this can't get passed on by talking heat to it. Get hot. Light up. 
be on fire. Now, now, now. You can do that all you want. It ain't happening. But the way this thing's going to get on fire is by touching another fire. The way faith is going to be passed down, the way real faith is going to be passed down is from people who have real faith to pass down. I'm not talking about perfect faith because I'm not perfect by a long shot. Genuine faith. Genuine faith. Money, marriage, and morality. The future happiness of your child depends on how well you're managing those three areas of your life today. And so I asked the question in the beginning. I ask it in the middle. I'm going to ask it again. What area of your life do you not want reproduced in the life of your child? If there's an area you can point to pretty quick as a parent or grandparent, I want you to lift your hand and say, Pastor, there's an area I don't want to pass it on. Wave at me. Wave at me. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, our greatest hope is that we do this well. Not perfect, because none of us are perfect, but God, help us to parent well. God, I pray in Jesus' name for every person in this room. I pray for those especially who is honest enough to lift their hand, that God, you will help us to train up our children in the way that they should go, that when they are old, they will not depart from it. That God, they will take the godly example that we have given our children and they will live it out consistently in their own life. Father, where we fall short, when we, where we have failed, where we have missed the mark, we ask for your grace to come in and to cover us. But Lord, from this day forward, moving, I pray, help us to be the parents, to be the parents that you want us to be and our children need us to be. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody who agreed said amen. Come on, can we thank God today? Hey, listen, just, just a couple things real quick. Listen, if you're here, and, uh, and you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm just going to tell you it's the greatest decision you personally can ever make is to say, God, I need your salvation. Come into my life and forgive me. And when you do that, just by faith, believing and putting your hope in Jesus and the salvation he offers, the Bible says the moment you do that, man, you're forgiven. The moment you do that, put your hope in him. The Bible says your sins are forgiven and you're made right in a relationship with your creator. And so all over this room, just for one more moment, Lord, I pray not one person would miss this call to give their life to you. Not one person would miss the voice of the Holy Spirit. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, if you're here and you've never said yes to his goodness and his grace, listen, I want you to know he just wants to change you. He wants to give you the grace you need and the hope you need and the life that you need. And if today you're here and you've never said yes yourself to Jesus, you've never opened up your heart to his grace, today's your day just to say, man, I, I want that for my life. I want God's grace. I want his love. If you're here and today for the first time you want to say yes to him, I want you to lift a hand real high. No shame, no holding back. Come on, everybody in this room, if it's you, I want you to throw a hand up real high and say, Pastor Steve, pray for me today. I want to give my life to Christ. Today I want to give my life to Jesus and experience the hope alone that comes from him. I see all the way in the back. Anybody else? Raise your hand real high. I see a hand right over here, man. Thank you. Lift a hand real high. Come on. A lot of you, man, today, you need to take a step and get your heart and your life right with Jesus. And you can do that right here in this moment. Anybody else? Lift a hand real high. Thanks. I see that hand in the back. Anybody else? Thanks, man. I see that. Thank you, sweetheart. I see that hand. Anybody else? Listen, we're going to pray just a simple prayer, and then we're going to move into one of my favorite times of the year, and that's water baptism. I want to invite all of you to hang out. Our services are only about an hour anyways. So I'm going to invite you, don't run off, hang out for a moment. 
But for you that lifted a hand, we're going to pray right now a simple prayer. And I want you just to believe in Jesus, that as you pray this and you put your hope in him, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, in this moment, grace is going to be yours. Forgiveness is yours. The relationship with God is yours right here in this moment. So pray this all over this room. If you lifted your hand, pray this out loud. Come on, Faith Church, let's pray this with them. Say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me so I could be forgiven, so I could have a new start. I ask you to save me, change my life, and help me from this day forward. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen. Come on, can we give it up for those six or seven?